Oh. Oh. I always I always react by just like undulating my breathing when the clock comes up. It's... Nobody else sees the clock. Maybe they do see the clock now. Yeah, they do. They have to, I think. So does undulating like, your breathing mean you're getting excited? What's happening? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Tibetan throat singers. It's like, oh, that's that's not um, what they do. Um, you know. Hello, hey, we're, we're here. We're we here. Uh, it's Debatable Effect television show. Um, in a second, we're going to bring in our good friend Spencer Hall, who will make us a lot smarter about college football and, and the history of college football. We'll get Jacoby in here to talk about the NBA and also sweat profusely, as you want to do. But in the meantime, Dominique, we have this Monday Night Football game that I think has birthed a couple of topics that I want to advance with you. I and I'm curious. would like to advance one first. I don't know which one you want to talk about, but I want to get into the roughing the passer call. And the thing about the roughing yes. the passer call on Chris Jones that is interesting to me is the <laughs> NFL as, a, as an entity itself. And I talked about this before. Uh, on my podcast that you should all download, rate, and review, is mm. how <sighs> balancing the bad outcomes of the decisions. So, like, while we all are up in arms, like, oh, my gosh, the rubber to passer, they're deciding games. It didn't decide the Monday night game, but it was it decided the Bucks game. But in my mind, I'm thinking, if I'm Roger Goodell and I care about the overall health of the NFL, if I'm balancing the potential of like fallout from either decision, I'm completely comfortable with oh. morning after all week, like listening yes. and talking to people like this classic miss call stuff. Like that's, that's 1990s no. oh. baby. That's 80s Yo, Dominique, Dominique, That's life. Dominique, we're, we're, we're brain merging here. And I want to actually take your take to the next, I want to advance it to the next level. I think this is brilliant by the NFL. And I believe it's brilliant by the NFL, not just because there's a, hey, look over here what this hand's doing as the other hand is concussing people. (laughs) The reality is this is just brilliant political messaging, right? It's all about the theater of seeming like you actually care so much that you're gonna make people mad about how much you care about stopping head trauma. It's the theater of, because now Dominique, the conversation is the NFL is way too soft. Way too soft. <laughs> yeah. These quarterbacks, they care about them way too much. And we know, we know for goddamn sure that any of these penalties, any of these flags, they're doing 0.0 repeating percent to deter anyone from doing anything differently when it comes to sacking the quarterback and potentially injuring the quarterback in the head. Yeah, I mean, I think from, again, from a big picture NFL standpoint, not only do they want to avoid, and back to like my worst case scenario, worst case scenario, if they're they're too aggressive on the calls, then the worst thing that could happen is we do a classic bad call segment. We've been doing bad call segments since the the damn 70s, and they are comfortable with that. That's football for us. The other way, yes. if they are not aggressive, the worst case scenario is we're on Good Morning America talking about in another to a like situation. And they don't want that. That actually is no, they want bad for business. They, they want us want, to be like they're too aggressive or they're they're too aggressive you know, in their safety. Correct. You know what the, you know what it is? It's the commercial outro music test. When do we then? When do we have to play the sad piano oh, music yeah. on the way into break? <laughs> they want when to do minimize, we have to like sort of fix our faces. That. Right. They'd much rather and cut that, to um like rabid fans. That guy with the backward <laughs> visor just <laughs> that's yes. a much better look for the NFL than a guy getting strapped to a to a gurney and carted off the field. 
But I mean, in, in from a business standpoint, that's business standpoint also. But another like more day to day business standpoint, I think on this show we laughed about uh, was it the Browns versus the Steelers or something? A game that they were promoting that didn't have quarterbacks that we cared about. That's right. And, the D linemen. Yes, were advertised and they were like, the you know what? We got T.J. Watt against Miles Garrett. Nah, nobody. As much as as um. Chris Jones was wronged in that situation. Ain't nobody never turned on the <laughs> television and said, I can't wait to see Chris Jones. So, like, keeping Carr healthy, Mahomes healthy, or as safe as possible, like, this all makes sense to me. But I do appreciate how difficult it is to get back to, like, the crux of all this. Yes, it's impossible to do what they're asking in the D lineman. But it's also impossible for the referees to do was being asked of them. They are not 100%. in the position to be able to see and like measure how much weight you put on them to see that a fumble was caused or not. And it's not a reviewable call. So like they're asking everyone <laughs> to do the impossible and um, roughing the passer calls have been up in the two weeks after the big Tua drama happened. Yes, we had like eight this week alone, I believe. And the NFL claims that they did not send out an edict to, to referees but the referees know what's up. It's one of the it's one of them things where they don't have to tell you. But <laughs> it's not a coincidence that we're up. I don't think that after defensive players saw the two a thing, they're like, you know what? Let's start roughing more. That's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the the yes, refs started the, calling it more. The point of emphasis here does not need to be said aloud for people to understand. And by the way, this part time job that they have which is officiating the most profitable sport yeah. in American history. We, I mean, so the, the refs, by the way, if anybody's getting a raw deal here, right? It is, I think we've, we've circled around to the fact that actually the refs should be aggrieved here yeah. because not only is this an impossible job that they don't even get to do full-time because the NFL does not want to pay them enough. Also, they're doing this on a fool's errand because none of the behavior is going to change because they're being the villains now. It's to no end. And meanwhile, what they get to be is the opponent that Chris Jones is campaigning against in one of the truly most effective stump speeches I've seen in the locker room, where it's like, of course, Chris Jones has it right. We should be reviewing these plays. We should be doing all of that. And the NFL is only thinking, I believe, when they hear Chris Jones saying that, great. We have another news cycle that we can drain <laughs> before we ever have to confront the fact that the thing we say we care about is totally not a thing we ever intend to fix. It's such a chess move. If they are smart yes. enough to do this, it's like, okay, why don't you guys berate us about this? So like, it feels <laughs> like you guys are like, we you know are under is? it, but it's not, it's nothing there's, new. There's, there's, there is kind of like a um, clever parent strategy from Roger Goodell. Yeah. Like, I know this you guys, direction. Yes, yes, they're taking us. You think you think you're going to McDonald's? No, you're going to the dentist. <laughs> you just don't realize it yet. So, where I want to take us next, Dominique, if okay. I can use some misdirection here too, I want to advance this conversation into the analytics realm because this has been the story in football too. It was a story in that Chargers game that they won. By the way, it was a story on Monday Night Football as well. And it's not a story about even converting fourth downs or two-point conversions. To me, this is a story about how we nerds can actually, and I include me and like Bill Barnwell in there, not you for the record, nope, although you, you went to freaking Harvard Business School and you get to skate on that for reasons that are infuriating to me. It's a way that we nerds can convert persuadable voters. And my number one campaign plank here 
is that we need to stop calling it analytics because I believe that analytics should be replaced by the word information. That's all I ask. I'm just going to call it information. The Sloan Sports Information Conference, guys. Yeah. Guess what we're calling it now? That. That's the- I know it's not, it's not fancy, but you know what it is? It's more persuasive. Uh, until it does not become persuasive. Because the fact of the matter is analytics isn't new. It's just a fancy name for stats. Like, we've always had analytics. Like it's just it's just information to your point. Right. So my my take on this analytics conversation is a conversation we've been having for a long time is yes, the numbers tell you to do some things and sometimes you should listen to the numbers. But the problem is and I guess this could extrapolate out to a larger societal point is once you've picked a side, you're on a side and now some people are like, "No, nah, you don't never go for it." go for it on fourth well, this down is, this is and exa- other people this are like why it's the you know what yeah you always go for it on fourth down when in actuality one of the best fourth down decisions i saw this weekend was from john harbaugh and it was the decision mm. from this team that was one of the first early adopters to analytics and one of the more aggressive fourth down teams in the league he decided to go against the numbers and kick a field goal when uh they were in fourth and short situation in the goal line because the week prior, they did the same thing and it failed. And like, I would normally say, you know what? The point of the analytics is that you keep doing it. And over a course of a certain amount of time, eventually you'll benefit more than you lose. That's what the information says. However, yes. However, I believe that it is the job of the head coach to manage the emotional state of a team And I think that the right thing to do right there was to make the wrong analytics decision. (laughs) And even if you, it cost you the game, it would have earned you the goodwill you need in order to like continue to manage that team going forward. And that's, that's the explanation. And that's what I have a hard time with because I don't follow and fall in the nerd community. I'm closer on the nerd analytics side than most former players. I believe that's right. However, I do believe that the same way that, the nerd community gets like, I don't know, uh, demonized, caricatured for being like always aggressive. I think the football community is always also like caricatured as like dumb Neanderthals who are just like, no, conservative, conservative. When actually there's a well-reasoned, thoughtful argument for why we don't have robots making these decisions because you're managing a team of people and you have to manage for the long term and sometimes you have to make the decision that is not as good for you in the short term because it's better for you in the long term if football players could articulate that or like football (laughs) people could articulate that i think that you nerds would understand like yeah that actually makes sense they are not playing for this right now they're playing the long game and understanding that you're not dealing with video game characters so I love a couple of things that has happened here in these last couple of minutes. Number one, um, I'm realizing the persuadable voter I'm talking about imagining here is actually just Marcus Peters. <laughs> and you're trying to win him over. You want him to go to Sloan next year. And the way to do that is to gain the credibility by trusting your defense, because that's what he was yelling at John Harbaugh about. That's the first thing that I love. The second thing is that thank you finally, Dominique. We're building bridges here. Thank you finally for justifying tanking. 
Thank you. I'm We're not, playing the long game. I'm not You're justifying taking these taking. games no, in order that, to win the title but down you, the line. If you Absolutely. understand that what I'm saying is it's, the long game is about managing the culture and the emotional state of your team. What is worse for that than tanking? So I am not making an argument for tanking. <laughs> Tanking is an argument that you make, again, if you're an analytics numbers nerd and you think you're dealing with robots and that you can no. just say, all right, right now we're losing. Okay, switch hit. Now it's time to win. That's not how it works. Not in football. You know what I, Maybe you in know a smaller what, you know roster like basketball, it could work. That shit don't work in football. It just doesn't. You know what I am, actually? I'm just right. more competitive than you, Dominique. That's what it comes down to. I want to win these rings more than you ever did. Clearly. And I'm willing to pay the price Yes. In ways that make a soft, just worm like you uncomfortable. Yeah. That's what my political platform has now been radicalized in. You're fine. I'm. You think that that's going to hurt my feelings, but it doesn't because I will go with no championships and be happy with my trophy of integrity, self-respect. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going out there to stink. Yo, like, I'm not oh, doing it. You know it. what? You, you want congratulations on your participation trophy. Give it of to integrity. me. I'll be so proud of that. <laughs> participation trophy of it. I want a ribbon. I don't even want a trophy. I want a, a damn ribbon. And I hope you get a big diamond studded trophy that is just dripping in shame. But speaking of making everybody feel good about themselves, can we get Spencer Hall in here? Oh, he I tends to solve our tensions, Dominique. He does. He does. He's a tension solver. Spencer Hall, thank God you're here. That's the good news, Dominique. The bad news is that um, Alabaster's here too. <laughs> I like Allie. Yeah, you guys are getting getting too intimate with each other lately. Um, Alabaster, yeah, do you want a formal what, welcome mat here? What do you want here? Show yourself. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I love that warm welcome from all three of you. I know that is your, your love language, Pablo. Um, <laughs> so today we are going to do a game called Take It or Leave It. I'll give you the take. You guys can take it or leave it. And we got a lot more juicy football to talk about in this segment. Ooh. So the first take it or leave it, take it or leave it. Ron Rivera was justified in throwing Carson Wentz under the bus. Man, do we do we have the sound of the of the throwing and the bus rolling over it? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen the video before. I had oh, only seen the quote. Well, Knowing that there's woo! a sweater vest involved just makes it all <laughs> yeah. the more delicious. It's so fall. Um, I mean, to be fair, there were more words, but we cut it to be as salacious as possible. I respect that, Alabaster. Well yeah. done. But he did a little bit more explaining to try to lighten the load. But, I mean, I don't think – once you hear that, it all stops there and your mm -hmm. feelings hurt. No, and we could go ahead and do what Alex Smith did so eloquently in pregame on Monday night where he was talking and defending uh, Carson Wentz, and it won't matter because this is, for instance, when you have a delicate conversation with a loved one, the first thing out of your mouth is the only thing they're going to hear if it is inflammatory in the least, right? Like if somebody says, was that my fault? The thing you should do is leave the room, set yourself on fire, shoot yourself into space. <laughs> you don't want to have that conversation if it's their fault. You don't. Because all they're going to hear is, if you say, yeah, that was your fault, it's over. It's done. If somebody says, why is it the quarterback? There will be no context past that because people are not rational creatures. You hear that, that's the case. That's done. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, if I'm taking it, that means that, uh, yes, it's accurate. doesn't really matter if it's accurate or not. That's what he's going to hear, and that's what the locker room's going to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaving it. 
Well, you brought up the relationship analogy. And when I was uh, like a teenager, my dad was like teaching me about relationships. And one of the things he said is you always use we and not everything mm -hmm. needs to be addressed. And also, <laughs> just because it's true, just because it's true, don't mean you got to say it. So, like, yeah. I will leave it. I don't know whether it's true or false. It doesn't matter. It feels to me like, one, Ron, Ron Rivera is not mad at Carson Wentz nearly as mad as much as he is mad at whoever made him take Carson Wentz because he yeah. doesn't want him. You don't do that to a guy that you want. Somebody right. was like, you know what? We got Carson Wentz. Aren't you happy? It feels like Carson Wentz is – it feels like – something that you might be familiar with, Pablo, do you have like a group of friends from college and one of them don't quite got his shit together? Carson yeah. Wentz is the one who don't got his shit together, yeah. who is going from couch to couch. <laughs> yeah, and everybody, yeah, and every guy is, every <laughs> guy's say, like, yeah, come on over, stare. Carson. You can stay here. And then once you go to bed and your wife's in there like, so when the is Carson going to leave? Is Carson still going to be here? Ron <laughs> Rivera is feeling the same way Frank Reich was feeling a little while ago. They can't wait to get rid of my man Carson. Poor Carson. It's so well, sad the thing, Well, the, the scouting report fundamentally, right? Like, I'm going to take this because the scouting report justifies the honesty, right? Like, it's been no. the same. Dominique. Did you, do you do, hold on. Do you not respect the advice from Pops? Just because it's true, don't mean you gotta say it. But 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 here's the thing, right? Like you are taking this from the perspective of Ron Rivera. I'm taking this from the perspective of somebody who does the job that I do, which is to say that the price of honesty here, I would like to make it actually less onerous for someone to say what they're actually thinking. And so when Ron Rivera is like, look, man, in between the lines here, right? What he's saying is, look, man, we know the highs. The highs are deliriously glorious sometimes, right? But the lows are basically at the center of the earth. I, I don't know like where that's... I don't know if glorious and Carson Wentz need to go in the same sentence ever. But at the same time, I would also say this: he's playing pretty well, and none of this matters because that yeah. came out of his mouth. It, exactly. It's done. This relationship. That's over. my. It's my point. So, like, how would you? How do you think Ron Rivera should have done this in a way that left us the room to draw conclusions, but was not gave him the the latitude to walk back in the locker room and not make Carson feel like? I, I, how is this going to help your team? Who does this help? This doesn't benefit so you anybody. Want, you, you want like Ron Rivera to leave it that much more open to possible interpretation? Yeah. You so wanted to be here, like, I'll oh, no, the biggest question. problem with this mm -hmm. team. Okay, no, play. Let's play, go, let's play the exercise. Little role, little role play action. Yeah. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Ready? All right. So everyone in this division has been rebuilding just like you, but it appears that they are ahead of you right now. How do you explain that, Mr. Rivera? Mm, um. What's what's so hard about um, football is that you need to throw the football, <laughs> and we're not um, we're not uh, good at that at all. We suck. We're terrible. Yeah, you, na you nailed it. You nailed it. I'm so glad. Nuts. I'm so glad you didn't follow your father into medicine. How bad is the prognosis? You did. Well, you, see, you, you need a brain to function, and yours yours is dead. Oh, so call your loved one. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that's – I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. Carson Wentz hasn't been playing all that well, but there's a lot of other things wrong with this team. This team who has, like – I think the strength of their team has been their defensive line, even with Chase Young injured, and they haven't been good on defense, which, like, 
Ron Rivera's bailiwick, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, is the real great problem. word. Yeah, it hasn't been. Yeah, so they haven't been good. And Carson Wentz is just a quarterback this year. Y'all weren't good last year either. So I mm-hmm. guess they made the playoffs the year before that, but they really weren't good then either. So like, if I'm Ron Rivera, Dominique though, and Spencer, I'm so mad that everyone in this division is suddenly good. Yeah, it's like yeah. what the hell? I thought we all had a suicide pact. <laughs> yeah. no, collectively don't terrible. Feel, don't feel bad for Ron Rivera. <sighs> he knew what he was signing up for. Yep. They're like, do you want this job? And he's like, two, three years. I got this. Y'all should have steered into radical honesty, Ron Rivera. There. I want to hear the follow-ups they didn't ask, right? Hey, you happy in your marriage? Tell me about your relationship with your dad. (laughs) How much longer do you expect to have this job before you're fired? Just ask them all. All right, guys, let's move on to more football. Good idea. Um, That's probably for the best. You know, I'm someone who watches college football, and I think it's basically the SEC is the only real conference. But right now, Ohio State is the betting favorite to win the national championship. Take it or leave it. Ohio State should be the favorite over Alabama and Georgia to win the natty. Mm. How fast can we get to Spencer is the real question. I'll jump yep. in. I'll Thank jump you. In. I backed up for the podcast audience away from my screen. <laughs> so uh, that's no, no, no. I'm going to leave it because, honestly, the Big Ten is kind of boo-boo this year, uh, up and down, uh, particularly because half of the entire conference is just some sort of enormous tax scheme. Like, they do not have – I don't know what the Big West is for. I don't know what they do other than to pay coaches buyouts and salaries that they barely earn. Uh, additionally, I would say this. The only real test that they've had so far was against a Notre Dame team that had no shot of even scoring on them. And that was, what, a 21-10 game? The first time that they face a defense with real teeth and a secondary that's able to manhandle their receivers at the line of scrimmage, they're not going. They're not going to know what to do. And I've seen Ohio State in this situation before. They revert to passing the ball. Uh, they sort of become a one-dimensional team. And I think there are they are a very beatable team against a team of equally elite talent. So, like, especially late in the season, I always bet on ugly, right? Like, bet on big ugly. Bet on the gorilla. The gorilla is either Alabama or Georgia at this point. Um, more specifically, the bigger of the two gorillas, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I, an ugly team like that that is just capable of really knucking up with you and wanting to go. I just don't see a Ryan Day Ohio State team faring well past say the first round. Like if you get into a a national final against a Georgia type team, it's gonna be ugly. Yeah. So you're saying you knuck if you buck I oh. that is that that is not what I said. I would like to state that in front of God, man, and the entire debatable audience. That ain't me. No. Also, also in front of the crime mob. Please make sure the crime mob Please. mob is aware that Spencer Hall is not Did knocking not. and buckeyeing. I'd that also like only... to apologize to the crime mob that you bring it up. <laughs> um. So I feel like this is a reasonable argument if we were back in a day where we had the BCS or like a, the playoffs. I think changes that the idea that you can coast through a, a conference that isn't that good, stay healthy and not be tested and then come up big in a single bowl game is the way that Ohio State, I think, wins this. But the tough thing is they're going to have to beat not one, but both of those SEC big boys. And mm. I don't got them doing that. And for whatever it's worth, there's a, there's a balance between being battle tested and being beat the hell up. The SEC, going the SEC schedule and also the SEC championship game, 
could verge on like getting beat up, but they're definitely also going to be battle tested. And these teams have been there a bunch. All three of them have been there a bunch and are certainly comfortable in, in that setting. So we'll see what happens. But if I had to pick a conference or if I had to pick a team, I'm going with someone from the SEC over uh, a Big Ten. Uh, bet, bet on bet on ugly because right now Ohio State's playing beautiful football. I love beautiful football. I think the only team that really sort of is aggressive offensively in the SEC is Tennessee. We'll see that this weekend because Alabama and Tennessee play like the first really interesting third Saturday in October rivalry game in recent memory. But you get at the end of the season, and if it comes down to very simple brute force versus brute force. I know who practices ugly every week, all right? It is a passion in Athens, and they really enjoy doing it, and Alabama is just as good at it, if not just a hair behind. So, yeah, I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave it, too, just because um, it feels like talking about how you like ugly things is also something that Dominique Stad would advise you to never say (laughs) in the context of your marriage. You're learning. Pablo Pablo is learning. All right, guys, we got one more. It's not for the show, but I'm just fascinated with how your brain works. It just is amusing to me. More college football, guys. Last one. Actually, this has a, some, a twinge of NFL in it, too. Take it or leave it. Nebraska should want Matt Rule more than Urban Meyer to run their program going forward. Oh, man. I mean, twinge? just top level here. Like, I understand that Matt Rule is a fun, he's a fun pincushion, right? I get it. But there is no there is no hobby horse like Urban Meyer, right? I mean, just purely. I, I understand that college Urban Meyer is a god, and that NFL Urban Meyer is a jester. But come on, man, really? There's a debate. Is there a debate here, Spencer? Uh, yeah, there would be a debate because I don't think you're getting the same guy that you got. You know, Urban. Yeah. The last time the last time Urban really got a program out of the gutter and brought them back to prominence was maybe not even Utah because I don't know if they were that Bowling Green. It's been 20 years. You don't want to hire a person who's 20 years removed from their last reclamation project. So if I had to hire one of the two, I've got two very good reasons to hire Matt Rule over Urban Meyer if those are the choices we're working with here. Um, And it's this, that I've seen Matt Rule do it more recently, right? Matt Rule's a fool, by the way, because his contract basically, I think it's set up so that if you get any sort of work from now, it offsets the total amount of your buyout, right? Mm-hmm. So if you work for five, it's taken off the 40 mil, so you've been making 35. Just sit around with $40 million <laughs> that you will yes. be paid over the next four years. Do you know how much fish would fear me? Do you know <laughs> how many waves I would rip on a surfboard that I don't even know how to ride yet, but I can figure out because I got $40 million. Uh. What? So, I mean, coach. try to be a normal human. Take the 40 mil for four years and don't do anything. Yeah, I don't think it's up to them. I don't think that you can choose to be a normal human if you're a coach, then you are a you coach. Can't. So, I think that's the answer to me is obviously Matt Rule. But I think the more interesting question is does it matter for Nebraska? Is it is that a reclamation project that can be reclaimed? And I, I don't know that it can be. I, I think Spencer would know better than I do, but. What do they have a bunch of money? Like, what is the what is the the way that college football has changed? It seems like there are a few ways that you can be successful. One of them is be incredibly innovative schematically. Another one is have a very talented bag man. And then the third one is a new one. It's like 
transfer portal and NIL money. And yep. Matt Rule wasn't around for that. So, and Nebraska doesn't have, at least from my view, any great selling points. So I don't know that Matt Rule would want that job. Every program at that tier right now, at that like Nebraska tier, has the yeah. same answer, and it's Lance Leipold. Because Lance Leipold at Kansas, who's turned Kansas into a 5-1 and one team right now that is genuinely fun to watch and really innovative offensively, that's sort of their tack right now, right? Um, they're going to run the option without telling you they run the option. They're going to do a bunch of really sort of innovative stuff that's designed to shorten the game, that's designed to slow defenses down, and it's designed to take under-recruited players and put them in a mm-hmm. position where schematically they're going to be very comfortable and have an advantage over more talented players. That's who everyone's answer is right now because Lance Leipold has done that great a job at Kansas in a very short span of time and did it before at Buffalo. So, like, if you want the turnaround artist who's got a fresher resume in the environment that we're talking about where you have NIL and you have a transfer portal, it's Leipold. That's the easy answer. Yeah, the problem right. is – he won a bunch of titles at FC at, at Division Two at FCS, um, not FCS, sorry, at at uh, Whitewater at University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Wisconsin's coaching job just came open, so they're going to mm. go after him hard as well. They all have money, by the way, because these are Big Ten teams, and right now they have the largest television deal and the most television money coming per school. So you know what those projections for the next three or four years are. That's fantasy. They're just like write a check, money's coming. Coming, the bank will give it to us. We got it. I just love. Is there? It's not a golden. Well, it is a golden parachute in the NFL, but the golden parachute followed by the like platinum bouncy castle <laughs> that is landing upon like, Omaha. Like it's just a remarkable thing. Like the degrees in which failure can just make you so much money if you're a coach. I still don't know that. Has the Nebraska fan base altered their expectations to hopefully becoming Kansas? Because if that oh, is your yeah. expectation, oh, that you think so? so? Because like, depressing. if your expectation is like getting back to Tom Osborne, then mm-hmm. you need to change that. And Tom well, Osborne we're... was running that old school stuff that was designed to like take advantage of talent de- deficiencies. And then they actually had a bunch of talent and that makes them a national champion contender. I don't see Nebraska getting back to that. And I'll cede the floor to someone who knows more about this potential, but they're not going to get to be able to compete with Alabama and Georgia. And, like, USC could potentially get there. Uh, I, I, sorry, I don't think that's – I mean, we're, we're all – I'm the oldest here, relatively old in terms of what we understand Nebraska used to be. Everyone who is now a serious influencer in that program, that is a distant memory. Okay. That is a distant memory in terms of what they're going to be. What you want to be as Nebraska is you want to tear up and say, okay – I'm at least as competitive as we were under Bo Pelini, which when we went nine and four to nine and four every year, you know, they would, they would cut off a finger to go nine and four every year now. And they might take more than that, like a hand up to the wrist to get up to 10 wins because that, you know, that's the, that's the difference is going between nine and 10 and consistent performance because everybody's real ambitious until they hit the floor. And until you're facing real Scott Frost days, I'm looking forward to Nebraska fans being 10 and one and two of them together needing to stand next to each other to applaud their team as they run out of the tunnel. I can't wait. Brother, I was in the stadium for Tommy Frazier versus Florida. I was, I was there. So I have actual physical memories of how good Nebraska can be. If anyone should have high expectations of them, it'd be me. 
And I am totally fine with them saying we need to get up to Iowa level. Let's let's be let's be at Iowa level and then let's look up from there. Spencer Hall, thank you for, you know, bring us down memory lane, uh, a memory lane full of uh, of of jump pass corn. What's corn is gluten? No, I'll just I'll just <laughs> I'll just see myself out. Hey, Bobo can't do this. <laughs> Spencer Hall. Spencer Hall, thanks for coming by. That's that's right, Spencer. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> See you guys. That was a lot of fun. That's right. Well done. Next, David Jacoby. David, we're... Ja David Jacoby, here to talk about the NBA. Man, we're good at this. So Dominique Spencer just pulled the parachute cord on himself and in flew Jacoby. Nice. In flew our Mariano Rivera coming out of the bullpen to close the show. Yes, we called for the righty. Mariano Enter of the Marriott. Sandman. Forget these trumpets. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Alabaster, what do you want this cut fastball to attack? Guys, I want to talk about the never-ending internet story that just... Let me give you the, the top line on this. These are three unstoppable forces together. Draymond Green, Stephen A. Smith, the Lakers. Because Stephen <laughs> A. Smith says this is going to be Draymond's last year on the Warriors, and he wants to be on the Lakers next year. So my my question, taking those that part out of it, what are the chances this is Draymond's last year with the Warriors? Mm, I I respect I, I I this is no no bullshit. I respect the intel that President A Smith tends to give out on the NBA. I think this is something Dominique you laugh, but <clears throat> Trey Young tweeted this. Trey Young said Draymond's trying to get to LA. Like this is not just one man's opinion. There are there are gossip rumor mills spinning about the Draymond LeBron thing. I'm not laughing at all at that part of the statement. But <laughs> anyway, I I will step out of the way and see what Jacoby is hearing on this. I mean, it, it seems obvious to me that, or not obvious, it seems like it's clear that it's a distinct possibility that both teams or both uh, parties, Draymond and the Warriors, could be interested in parting ways if you're trying to transition Draymond don't strike me as the transition to the young guy type of player that you want. So, uh, yeah, Jacoby, what you got? Um, I love when you asked me what I was hearing. Like, I'm not like one of those reporters. Like, I talked to Jalen Rose and like my idiot friends from college about these things. So go. it's not like I have any real inside information. However, I do have certain facts that I find very interesting. One of my favorite parts about this whole thing that no one is discussing is TMZ got the video, right? We all work at ESPN. We tried to put that on our shows. TMZ said, no, you cannot put that on your shows. Something TMZ rarely does. Ooh. Number one. Ooh. Number two, that is a closed practice. We're all media members. We've been to practices before. You get your little window into they're warming up and doing nothing and just shooting around. They shuffle you yep. out. They close the doors. And there's no one in there with a phone. There's no one in there without an ID. There's no one in there that doesn't work for the team. There's no friends. There's no family. There's no media. There's no one there. Someone leaked the video. What do the Warriors say? We're going to launch an investigation. <laughs> We're going to get to the bottom of this. There's surveillance video of the gym. They have a very distinct point of view of where that video was taken from. Well, I'm not a PI, but I could figure this out. And this is when I get my conspiracy hat on and start spinning this back to the question at hand. <laughs> With the hat isn't on yet? No. I don't have a hat. No, no, no. no. It's, a, it's a crown. It's more of a, a, tin, a tin crown, not a tinfoil hat. The tin crown is upon my head because I will say this. 
this could have come from within. This could be like Scream, like the phone call is coming from within the house. Like this could be the Warriors and Draymond at odds with each other, the Warriors playing a PR campaign and saying, listen, fan base, the breakup is coming. And I'm just going to let you know what we deal with behind the scenes a little bit by maybe possibly leaking something that shows you how difficult this employee of ours is to work with in this environment. How he breaks up this this kumbaya ecosystem that we have here in championship land in the Bay. And maybe this is a way where they start the smear campaign to soften the blow to Warriors fans when they eventually do part. So the answer is 65%. 65%. No, 66 repeating. 66, 6 repeating. <laughs> oh, the devil's decimal. Okay, I, I wouldn't copy that percentage also because that's what I was planning on doing is just copying what Jacoby said. But I like the conspiracy idea, but it seems to me that it could be pretty difficult because that wasn't like a cell phone camera. I assumed at least, and maybe basketball well, practices are different. I, mean, I assumed that it was just like... a camera of security footage. We don't know that. No, great point because it didn't move. I think it's right. zoomed in, but I think it might have been some sort of surveillance footage that comes from like a security team or like an in-house video. No, I mean, staff. don't they? Re- so either a security team or just like recording practices. In football, we record everything. Every practice that ever happened, every drill is recorded. So the video staff has the recordings. And I don't know. It's not, there's not like great deal of protection around those recordings from people within the building. So it could be a lot of people and it could also be consistent with your conspiracy, which is a lot more fun. So I'm going to go with that. And that <laughs> that's what we're going to, we're going to propagate at least here on debatable. And I don't think that you can put the quotes above something. If you're copying it, it's just because now people are going to think that's that I'm good. copying Pablo's number. Yeah. yeah. Which that's is not, not what yeah, I, I think want. Those are called dittos. Yeah. That's actually a ditto. I believe. Yeah, because I'm going. I'm going. Those are dittos, and unfortunately, what they're dittoing is my number, which is like four point two zero percent. Because all you guys are really just—I mean, this is—I I like to think that I am the guy with the outlandish theories, but you sound high. Oh, see, so let me let me retort. Let me retort here. Um, First of all, four point two zero interesting selection with that last zero unnecessary, but. Um, back to what's at hand here in the Bay Area, known for 4.20, is this. Mm-hmm. Is Draymond, it's interesting that he has this altercation with Jordan Poole. Both of them are up for extensions. You know how extended the Warriors franchise is already with their salary to give both of these players what they think they deserve, not where they're going to end up. Like if you ask them each what they deserve in a yearly salary and how many years they deserve, it's almost impossible to have all of these people there moving forward, which is why I love these two combatants in this little thing going head to head. But also what if Draymond Green is just sort of, we've all worked with people that are difficult to work with. And and, and Draymond Green is one of the most important basketball players in the NBA to their team. But maybe they're just looking in the mirror and they're saying, we've got all this young talent. Like, let's just pick vibes over Draymond. Like maybe that's what it's coming down to. What if, what if, I want to actually make your theory even more stoned. What if, Draymond and the Warriors are simultaneously okay, this has gone trying to undermine each other. Like these are both, they're two concurrent false flag operations. <laughs> Draymond punched Jordan Poole on purpose and the Warriors okay, you got too far. You got too in far. order to get Draymond in trouble for the thing he wanted to get in trouble for. I, I mean, look, you listen to Steve Kerr. We were talking about presidential um, comportment before. The way Steve Kerr is talking about it, he, he just said that he said to the younger members of the Warriors, quote, about Draymond, 
this is not normal. This is what he wants them to know, right? Seriously, that's what he said. Yeah. And so there is there is a motive to, to sort of establish like this dude is messing with our culture, but I also think it's very possible that Draymond is also kind of sick and tired of the culture. So the, I mean, he is, it's, it's such a weird thing. So conspiracy aside, I think there's reason to believe that it's, it's his last season from like age, um, play, cap considerations. Like there's plenty of reason to believe that this is his last year without the conspiracy theories. But what I find interesting is the idea that they are trying to frame this as this is not normal. This is not the culture of the Warriors. When for the last decade, that's all we've heard is that Draymond is integral to the culture of the Warriors. That Draymond's specific attitude brings something to this team that no one else can. His flexibility on defense, his ability to pass the ball are all important, but potentially those are things that you could find elsewhere. The one thing that he brings that no one else brings to that team is the attitude that we're not going to get punked or whatever it is, whatever that attitude is, however you want to define it. That's what the Warriors have been telling us. That's what Draymond's been telling us. That's what he brings to the team that can't be replicated. So it's odd to me all of a sudden that he's been being rewarded and they've been celebrating this and even like accepting the fact that they lost the finals in part because of like that Draymond attitude. Like that, all that stuff has been like, it comes with the Draymond. It's not, and now all of a sudden they're like, no, we don't want that part of this Draymond. You know who looks like a real bargain here, Jacoby, hearing Dominique? Udonis Haslam. Like this is how you be culture guy. All you gotta do, and you can be employed for 25 years, is not punch your teammate in the face. Yes. It's all you gotta do. Not, no, 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 no. Not for the money that Draymond wants and expects. But UD, that's, that's UD the problem. culture guy on the bench getting getting league mini. That is not what Draymond is expecting. Is that Draymond, exactly. No, Draymond is like, I am not Udonis Haslam. And I think the reality is he's a lot more like Udonis Haslam every year. Not Did you watch the finals last year? He was like I will, I will not let you besmirch Draymond Green's impact on a basketball contest. Yeah, he's I will integral. not allow that to happen on this on this fake television um, show. I, I'm just saying. I think, I think that I, you could I, argue I, I, that part of what he provides is Udonis. He provides that part. But he, then he advi- provides some on-court contributions, too, that I think oh, is like, No doubt. No doubt. All I'm saying is that there is a reason why the Warriors are paying Jordan Poole instead of Draymond Green. Why they're putting money on one guy's plate and not another. And it's because one guy is trending like Udonis Haslam. I'm not saying he is Udonis Haslam. I'm just saying he is going in that direction every year that passes. Are you not going back to Miami? Want to All right, guys, two things we haven't discussed that are integral to this conversation, which I'm sure Alabaster is going to want us to end soon, is we haven't talked about the Lakers yet, which somehow found their way into this wow. news story, which is just insane. Like, the, what trade <laughs> is there for Draymond <laughs> Green? Are they going to let him go for nothing? Is it a sign? Like, what are we even talking about him going to the Lakers? But I love it. And number two is Draymond. New media, my guy, we're all here talking about you. Where is my podcast explaining everything? I need that. Like, you have a microphone and a setup in your home. This is why we have the new media, where you control the narrative. I'm asking you as a fan and as a listener that we need this podcast. We had all that. This is what this is for. And he had a couple days off. 
Like you were you doing around the house? Fire that puppy out. This is the new media. This is what we want. I will come there and help you. I'll troubleshoot (laughs) the Wi-Fi. I'll turn the router on and turn it back off. Like whatever you need, my guy. Like I want this podcast. Give the people (sighs) what they want. Oh gosh, I'm with you on that. We earned our check finally. Thank you Can so you much. Edit out the parts where I called him Udonis Haslam. I just remember the podcast thing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> don't want to deal with that. No, 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 nope. Leave it in there. Turn it up. I would like to it to repeat multiple times. I think Pablo's actually serious. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, nice. a little sound effect on that. Bring it back uh, like a DJ. You know, you can do post production now. Let's talk about someone who wishes they could be a culture guy like Udonis Haslam. And that's Ben Simmons. Um, and we got some new clips of uh, the always accurate shooting Ben Simmons. And I, don't like I want you to take a look at them and say, what are the chances these clips of Ben Simmons shooting are concerning to you? <laughs> we lost Pablo. I don't, like rest J- of the show. I don't like Jacoby's tone about how he didn't like your tone. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. oh. You know, okay. Oh. Well, that that <laughs> so I love cute. It. Yeah, I mean, you they know, don't concern me. I think encouraging. Uh, Jacoby's. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but Jacoby's point is right. He doesn't do that well. They are not going to ask him to do that. They're going to find a way to make sure that we are not asking him to shoot from range. And it was a warm up, like messing around type of thing. So yeah, it, it's fine. What number, Dominique? What number are you given? Um, I have to go higher than zero. It's a little bit concerning because I think while they aren't going to ask him to do that, defenses are going to try to force him to do that. So let's go. Yeah. Let's go twenty-five percent. Jacoby's uh, raising his hand for the podcast audience, and I on I, a, I do want to know why. I have a follow-up question for you two. I'm not Alabaster. I'm sorry. So here's one of the things I want to discuss. Ben Simmons seems susceptible to sort of outside noise and, right. and sensitive to other people's opinions of him, perhaps more than other players, right? Do you think this air ball and us discussing it now and it being all over Twitter and him seeing it and people texting it to him, do you think literally, this is a serious question, do you think this air ball has like an effect on his confidence, this actual clip and this being a news well, thing? The air ball doesn't, but the reaction to it, I don't see how you can argue it. Yeah. It doesn't have an effect. I would. On him I would like his, to pretend. I would like to pretend. I mean, it's not just even his past. It's like anybody. Like everybody. I was looking through the mentions about this this video. <laughs> oh I, gosh. I mean, How was your afternoon, it's, Pablo? It's, it's, <laughs> it's been it's been real bleak because I was imagining if I had shot that. And I'm like, this would get to me. Yes. All of this. I would be so mad that I wasn't able because Ben Simmons' approach here has been to to log off. And it's the best possible move, but it also awesome. just it's bottles up move. all of the things. Yeah. It's impossible because you know you're gonna hear it and you've committed to not saying anything. And so publicly I'm gonna say minus twenty-five percent to beat Jacoby here. But Doesn't inside corner. Inside, um, I'm, I'm like 26%. I, I have one more yeah. thing. I know we're running out of time. Please run the video again. I want you guys to watch Kyrie Irving get hit in the face by a rebound. Watch this. Watch this. Bang! Oh, oh. right in the <laughs> eye. That's why Ben Simmons <laughs> made that face because it was his rebound that hit Kyrie Irving in the face. That's a graze. It didn't hit him that hard. I like that. A, a bump. He hit, him, he hit him right in the third eye, which I thought was supposed to be open. Wow. <laughs> well done. Well done. Oh, that's it. I hate you, Pablo. I love both of you. Kobe's always a delight, man. Kobe's growing a beard, and I, I like vibes. it. Yeah, he's Happy coming for my here. personal 
territory. It's not your turf. It's his turf. And I resent it. The thing is, you're dug dug into this. I'm not about this life. I'll jump off the Ben Simmons. (laughs) 